0: To you, we're going to start a little series this, this morning. Um, oh, gracious. It's called Battlefields. And I want to talk to you about the battlefield of your mind, the things that you think about. This morning is an important message. It might be, and I say this just about every time I preach, but this might be the most important sermon you ever heard in your life. Because what goes on right here is who you are. And it's not anything new because from the very beginning, you think about Adam and Eve, right? The serpent shows up, the devil shows up, and he's like, hey. If you can eat that fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, you'll become as God. Whoa, baby. (laughs) Give me some of that. But the devil jumped on their mind. You think it all through the Old Testament. You, you think about uh, uh, Abraham and, 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 and his deal. God trusted him, but Abraham had, him, Abraham had issues. Uh, the, the, the children of Israel, the, the children of Jacob, and, and all the different tribes of Israel, there was always battlefields going on inside their mind. Because in order for us to do the right thing or the wrong thing, it always starts right here. And God talks about, a lot of times he talks about what's going on in in your heart and your thinking that happens in your heart. And I'm like, well, my brain isn't in my heart. But what he's talking about is your soul, because your soul and your spirit And your mind are going to be the things that last forever. Not your brain, but your mind. We're not going to be little beings running around up in heaven without a mind. We'll know ourselves and we'll know what's going on because our mind, and it's hard for us to comprehend, but our mind is eternal as is our spirit and our soul. So this is important today for each and every one of us to understand the value of harnessing our thoughts and bringing them under the subjection of God and his word. So I I wrote a little thing. Every once in a while I get a, a, oh, I was going to use the word epiphany. It just came to my mind. But anyway, I got a word. And this, this, this is the sentence that, that, that I came up with. It says that the irrelevance of man's reasoning will inevitably lead to a compromise of the truth. And ultimately, an, in, an irreverence for God himself. The irrelevance. Now, our reasoning, the things that we think about, if we get too caught up in our own thinking... The irrelevance of man's reasoning, because we always want to think many times that we got this figured out. I've got this. And God's up there going, no, you don't. I've got this. And you need to know that I've got this. So the irrelevance of man's reasoning will inevitably lead to a compromise of truth. In other words, there will be a little bit of truth in our compromise in order for us to believe it. There has to be some truth in it. That's why we have so many religions in our world today. There's a little bit of truth in every religion that draws men to it. Because only the truth is what man is drawn to. But then we dilute it with man's reasoning. And then the people that live in the flesh and, and they go, well, I guess that's right. And the reason we say that, or our, our culture and our society says it, is because they don't know the Word of God or have not believed in the Word of God. Let me go on, I got to keep moving. So there's a battle cry for clarity, for discipline. And this is what we want to talk about in these battlefields. Uh, There's a a battle for truth in our culture today. a, A battle for purpose, connection, identity. There's a battle for like, who am I? A battle for power. A battle just to be heard and respected. There's a battle for peace. Hebrews chapter 4. If you have your Bibles. Hebrews chapter 4. Verse 12. Talking about the word of God. And really, I'm, I'm, this is something, just, just parenthetically, I want to tell you this. that I believe that biblical truth is something that doesn't happen in our lives unless we're intentional with developing biblical truth. And if we don't know what the truth is, then it will ultimately be diluted. Hebrews chapter four twelve, it says, For the word of God is quick and powerful. Everybody say powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and the spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is it this is the part I want, to, want us to hear today, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of our heart. The Holy Spirit is a, a discerner of the thoughts and the intents. In in other words, what is in your heart, the Holy Spirit is able to discern why you live the way you live. He goes beyond the, the natural and he gets into the supernatural with us. The things that are not seen but are still more powerful. It's kind of like the wind. You don't ever, nobody's ever seen the wind, right? You just see the effects of the wind. The wind can be very, very powerful, very destructive, but it can also be a blessing. But the wind is something we don't see. We don't see God, but we certainly see the effects of God. So why do we do, why do we still battle with the same thoughts and feelings that we had before we were Christians? Christians. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 10.3, we are human. This is the New Living Translation. We are human, but we don't wage war with human plans and methods. So we are now Christians, yet we still live in the world. We're Christians for sure, but we still live in a fallen world. In 2 Corinthians 10.3, I'm going to read a lot of scriptures because I want you to know what we're preaching today is based in the Word of God. 2 Corinthians 10.3, it says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. I want to talk to you about strongholds this morning. In verse 5, it says, We demolish arguments And every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Our president said this past week that the greatest threat to America is climate change. The greatest threat to America is climate change. Well, I would I would say that I disagree. The, great, the greatest threat to America The greatest threat to America is what happens in our brains. The greatest threat to America is what we think. And how we think and how we perceive the truth. America is who she is today because of the thinking of the people in America. And if we're not careful, the things that we live in, the things that we have no control over, and the things that are completely changing, you see, when when there was global warming... It turned into global cooling. Now it's just climate change. And the reason is, is because it's always changing. My point is that this world we live in is always volatile. It's always changing. Things are always happening. And if we're not careful, we will get caught up in things that we have no control over. But I want you to know that we serve a God today that is inevitably the foundation of our faith and the foundation of this world. He never moves. He never sleeps. He never slumbers. He never changes with the climate. He doesn't change with what we believe or what we don't believe because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Thank God we have something that we can depend on. Three simple truths I want to talk to you about today. Number one, that I am a child of God. You got to get it in your mind. If you've accepted Christ as your personal Savior, you are in the family of God. 1 John 3, 1, it says, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. And that is who we are. The second thing is that I am alive in Christ. My life, I am alive in Christ. Ephesians 4, 2, 1, and 4 and 5. And it says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and your sins. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, thank you, Jesus, I said, God, who is rich in mercy, thank you, Jesus, made me alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions it is by grace you have been saved it is a gift of God not of works lest any man should boast because God has given you eternal life we must understand that I am alive you are alive because of who Christ is not because you receive a check from the government the government is not your They're not here to make sure that you stay alive and everything's fine. We put our faith in God. In God, we trust. It's a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. And that's what God wants. Now, let me just say this again. I said this. A couple of weeks ago, and I'm going to say it again, because some of y'all are getting, you're thinking that the preacher's getting too political. Let me tell you something. The world gets into the church's business too much. It's about time the church got in the world's business. <clears throat> I'm a child of God. I am alive in Christ and I am a new creation. Let's get it into our thinking that we are alive because of who Jesus is and that we are a new creation. We didn't just come up from a little amoeba in the sea and then wind up being a monkey with a PhD or a doctor. No, we are created by a creator. The creator is our God because he never changes. All of us agree that these statements are true, yet if we were honest, we have found all of ourselves wondering at one time or another if what the Bible tells me about my identity in Christ is really true, then why do I still battle the same thoughts and feelings that I had before I became a Christian? I don't know if you ever asked yourself that question before. Why can't I break free from the things that haunt my mind, my thinking? Would you like to know the answer to the question? Yes. <laughs> I know you would, and that's why we come to church. Today, we begin a series of Battlefields of the Mind. And I want, I want the Holy Spirit to take a hold of our church right now, to take a hold of everybody watching online, because there's something in this message that will change your life if you receive it. So, Lord, we thank you, Lord. For your word, we thank you, Lord, that you are our solid foundation. Lord, we acknowledge you today and pray, Lord, that you would direct our hearts, our minds, our thoughts, our bodies, and our souls, that we would commit our ways to you, Lord, that you would direct our path. Help us, Lord, to understand how to fight this battle when it comes to the things that we think about in Jesus' name. Amen. We don't wage war as the world wages war. We demolish arguments. Did you catch that? We don't get in the middle of those arguments. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up above the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So why, why do we still battle with the same thoughts and the feelings we had before we became Christians? Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 10.3. He says, we are human, but we don't wage war with human plans and methods. And that's part of the problem, I think, with a lot of, a lot of us in church today. We, 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 we try to wage war like the world wages war, and it brings anxiety and depression instead of waging war like God would have us uh, wage war where we have peace and confidence and assurance that God has this, we've got to think in the way God's asked us to think. Here's our problem. The battle for our mind cannot be won using the same thinking we had before we accepted Christ. Yet many of us still try to win the battle for our mind the same way we always did because that's all we know. As we we grew up from childhood to adults, we all learned to respond to life in a variety of ways. But each response had one thing in common. We learned to go through life with, but also at times without God. We all naturally learn to live our lives independent from God because it just came natural to us. Many times we have existed unaware of his presence in our lives simply because we didn't really understand him. So in case you believe you have lived your life exempt from wrong thinking, even those of us who have who grew up in a Christian home, still grew up learning to think independently from God. I had great Christian parents who pastored churches all of my formative years. They took me to church every time the doors were open. I mean like, I cut my teeth on the back of church pews. (laughs) You see, many make Jesus their savior at an early age, but are unaware of God's love And have not learned how to honor his presence or his word. Just because we're in church doesn't mean that we have it all figured out. We all have grown up in a world where we have learned the world's value from many influences. Many influences by attending school, playing video games, listening to social media, being influenced by spending hours daily on our phones. Listening to podcasts and watching TVs and movies and listen to our friends' opinions over what God has actually said. So, my parents taught me to know God. At the early age of four years old, I gave my heart to the Lord. I knelt down at a piano bench in Stoneham, Colorado, and gave my heart to Jesus when I was four years old. However... The world taught me to live as though God didn't exist. The the world is really good at teaching us that. Let's not build a little little bubble around ourselves and say we're exempt from what goes on in this world. So the world taught me how to live as though God didn't exist. Or if he did, then he didn't care about how I lived. But by the time I was a teenager... I was in many ways, to say the least, pretty confused about life and how to overcome temptations. Anybody with me so far? So I actually helped lead when I was a teenager. I helped lead our youth group and started preaching at a young age. I preached my first sermon when I was 16 years old. I turned 66 this last year, and it marks 50 years of ministry, 50 years I've been preaching. You think I have it figured out by now. I say that to say this. (laughs) God still used me in my brokenness. God still used me. Man, when I wrote that down, it made me cry. I'm still crying about it. But really not until I got married, I became, uh, I, was, I was really good at putting on masks and to be the person others expected me to be. Dario's transparency jump-started jump, jump me out of that. But I grew up Insecure of myself, uncertain about my abilities. I've lived in self-doubt because I thought nobody else experienced my temptations. That's what the devil does. He singles us out with our own personal temptations. And I just thought that most everybody else was smarter than I was. They had it figured out. Now that I'm 66 years old, I realize (laughs) it's not always the case. Unfortunately... I did, and I said some things that I regretted. Even though I always ran to God to come back into relationship with him, he has always been faithful to his word, and he's always been faithful to give me grace when I needed it the most. But my insecurity, self-doubt was validated by the condemnation and the guilt I felt for my sin. Anybody with me so far? I sometimes questioned if God could even love me anymore or even if I was going to be good enough to go to heaven. And as a young adult, having renewed my commitment to Christ and wanting to follow him, I continued to struggle with my identity. To be honest, even after I became a minister, I still struggled with feelings of inferiority and a certain sense of unworthiness. I'm talking about our brain and our thoughts. I'm talking about our mind today. While while I now know beyond a shadow of a doubt that my salvation is secure in Christ, there are still times I carry around the same pattern of thinking that I had way back then when I was growing up. I still have to fight it. What's my point? My point is that the world had done a really good job of programming my mind to think in a certain way. We live out in the world a whole lot more. Than we live in church. Amen. And the world is good at bombarding our thinking about who we are and bringing division in our families, in our homes, in our country, the divisiveness is what the devil is so good at. I've never seen a time in our nation's history where we were, maybe during the Civil War, but we are really a divided country, and it seems as though our leaders thrive on divisiveness. And if we're not careful, we will be caught up into thinking that this is the way it is. And I don't care if we're Democrats or Republicans, Most everybody feeds on being divisive. Are are the news channels thrive on being divisive? Are are the the agendas, the, the sexual agendas... Now there's 27 different types of sexual identity. It completely changes like the climate. And if we're not careful, we'll get caught up into the world's way of thinking. My Bible tells me that God created male and female, and when we go into these other areas, then we become confused. The Scripture says that God is not the author of confusion, and there's a lot of confusion when it comes to sexual identity. And I would just submit to you today that Jesus is the answer to every problem we have, whether it's a sexual problem or whether it is a a political problem, whether there, whether that it is a foreign problem or whether. Anything, Jesus is the answer, and he has it in his book. And if we would just buy into it, we would have peace in our nation. But the church cannot buy into this turmoil. We must be the leaders today with peace. So when, when, we became, when you became a Christian, just like me, no one put your old way of thinking into a recycle bin and then permanently deleted it. Wouldn't it be great if you just, like, could push a button and, like, all that stuff would be gone? But everything we learned through life and all the feelings that came along with it, they were still programmed into our mind, even though we've accepted Christ as our personal Savior. The battle for our mind continues Today, our thoughts can still conform to the pattern of this world, and our thinking can become skewed if we don't really know what the truth is. That's why Paul says not to conform any longer. Everybody say, any longer. Don't be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world but be transformed. How can we be transformed? By the renewing of our mind that we may be able to prove what is that good and perfect and acceptable will of God. The weapons... We fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And I would just submit to you today that the strongholds in all of our lives when it comes to issues or sin problems can be demolished. When we fight that battle and we get into the battlefield of the mind and we take every thought captive and continue to rely on the presence of God and his word to overcome. But through undisciplined thinking, we have given Satan strongholds, and the devil can have a vice-like grip on our thinking and not let go. Satan has fortified his position and wants to continue to influence our thinking. The devil won't let go of his stronghold in our lives as long as we continue to follow our old way of thinking, even though we are born again. Psychologists refer to these unhealthy patterns of thinking as defense mechanisms. Interesting, right? None of them are consistent with the thinking that God wants us to have as Christians. Defense mechanisms, they come in all different shapes and sizes. One is dishonesty. It's a big one. You see a lie in order to hide the truth about ourselves and then we justify it because well just because <laughs> another de- defense mechanism is denial the conscious or subconscious refusal to accept the world accept the world the way it really is in other words we're unable to discern the flaws in the world, let alone the flaws in our own life because we begin to think like the world thinks. And the defense mechanism is that everybody else is doing it. Fantasy, defense mechanism of fantasy to escape the real world and live in one's imagination. Alcohol will do that for you. Drugs will do that for you. It's a good way to escape. But when you come off of the high and you have that hangover in the morning, your problems will still be there until you let Jesus have your problem. <clears throat> emotional ins- insulation. Defense mechanism of emotional insulation. To withdraw from others and to, in order to avoid rejection. None of us really love To be rejected. (laughs) But in the real world, there is rejection out there. And if we can learn to deal with rejection and to take every thought captive, we won't... We won't allow the pendulum of our emotions to swing one way or the other whenever we... Give so, we're just not going to give that much credence to what people say about us when it comes to tearing us down. That's good preaching, <laughs> emotional insulation. Another defense mechanism is regression. To revert to a safer, less threatening time. In other words, to live in the past. Sometimes, whenever you lose a loved one or a family member, you you want to withdraw and, and back to the way it was. Or if 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 you you just don't have hope for tomorrow, that all of the conversation is about yesterday. I just want to tell you today to and challenge you to take that thought captive and to know that God has a plan for you for today. Day and for your future, and it's to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope for your future. Uh, we, the only, and what the devil does this is a little tool he uses uh, whenever he brings shame on you and, and reproach, and he, his deal is that he will always remind you of the past problems that you've had. And the reason he does that is because he knows you, you can't do nothing about it. It's one of his tools. And he'll just keep bringing that up to you. And, and, and then if you buy into it with your thinking, you go, know, oh, oh, I know. I was stupid. Oh I can't believe I did that. Oh, oh I'm a jerk. I guess I'm just really bad. I don't know if I, man, I, this ain't good. You can't do nothing about your past. Take those thoughts captive and, and I'll be honest with you. Sometimes when I start thinking stupid things, I say out loud, if nobody's around, <laughs> I say, Randy, shut up. <laughs> I tell myself to shut up because if you're anything like mine, your mind can go to rolling. But take those thoughts captive. When you go to, when you, when your thoughts start beating you up, that's a cue and a, for you to take that thought captive and to start thinking about the good things and the things that God has planned for His sons and daughters. Yeah. Yeah. Gracious. I might have to preach this again next week. I am not even close to done. (laughs) The defense mechanism of displacement. Displacement to take anger and frustrations out on others. Displacement. And then to justify it you have a bad day at work. I mean, like a bad day. And it's been, it was so bad that, that you're kind of justified in jumping on the family when you get home. I'm sure nobody's ever done that. <laughs> Displacement is when you take your aggression out on other people when they didn't have anything to do with it at all. But if we don't understand that in our mind, we will just, every one of these things can be justified by the sinful nature that's in all of us. I'll wait on you. I said, every one of these things can be justified by the sinful nature that's in us if we don't take those thoughts captive and take responsibility. For the way we think yeah. <laughs> displacement, projection to blame other people for your problem. isn't that really what our whole nation's about right now when it comes to racism I found that I found that the more people talk about racism, the more racist they really are. (laughs) Racism, let me just say this, racism is a problem in our nation. Still today it's a problem. But I'm going to say that God is the solution. When he said love your neighbor, he didn't care whether it's red, yellow, black, or white. It don't matter. They're all precious. Same, equal in his sight. And so that's, that's the way God intended it for it to be. But if we're not careful, we will be divisive with our racist comments. And if we're not careful, we will listen to the way the world talks about it. And we will believe, my goodness, we're all racist. That's what they want us to believe. We're not all racist. We're not. We love people. People. It doesn't matter who they are, where they come from, where they have money, they don't have money, whatever. It, I'm telling you, God loves everybody the same. But if we're not careful, we'll start stirring up things. And then we'll get on social media and, and we'll begin to fight the battle for our own agenda instead of God's agenda. And let me tell you something. Any agenda you have on social media, it should be based on God's love. <laughs> Period. That's a big one. Thank you, Johnny. I need you, brother. Get on that organ. I like that better. There you he- there you go yeah, that's right and the last defense mechanism is rationalization to make an excuse for what you say or do oh that's just the way I am my goodness if, if you ever use that sentence before please don't ever say that again to justify your rationalization of your own personal sin problem, have you ever, have you ever uh, seen somebody? and you knew them but they walked right past you like they didn't know you the presence of God is everywhere we don't have to come to church just to get in the presence of God listen the reason the presence of God is here is because you brought him with you When you came. God. Is with you. My message today. Is your thinking. Can be revolutionized. When you understand. That wherever you go. And whatever you do. His presence is with you. There will never be a greater gift to mankind than the presence of God. And that will change your thinking just to know that God is with you. Everybody say God is with me. God is not against you. God is for you. God wants you to rise up above the negative things in your past to take you to the positive things of your future. But he will never supersede your choice and your will. We had Vacation Bible School. How many got to come to VBS? Raise your hand. Oh, it was just like phenomenal, off the wall, just amazing. Had a whole herd of kids here, whole herd of them. But the theme for VBS was choices. As I was growing up, I had choices that I needed to make And many times I let the world influence my choices. My prayer for you today is that you will be able to recognize and discern choices that you are making in your life that God is not in the middle of, but the world has influenced you away from God. And we all do it. Y'all come on with me now. Don't leave me now. I said we all do it. We've all sinned. We've all come short of the glory of God. Somebody say amen. Let's get real here today. God wants peace in your life. And he wants peace in, because the, your mind is what's going to go to heaven. And he wants you to have this thinking Which is in Christ Jesus that he is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you could ask or think. Well, I'll just never get over this. i got this habit. I've got this addiction. I'm never going to amount to anything. That's the devil talking to you. That's not what God says about you. Rise up. Rise up. And be healed in the name of Jesus. We need our thinking to be healed in the name of Jesus. Anybody with me today going to walk away from here with some power inside of you? I got to quit preaching. Come back. Come back next week. We're going to have church again about this time right here. But if you're a little cramped, we do have an 1130 service. (laughs) Father, we thank you for your word today. Thank you, Lord, for the strength and the wisdom to fight battles that are worth fighting. I pray for everybody here today, Lord, that you would anoint each and every one of us. To be able to recognize and to discern as one of the gifts that Holy Spirit that you gave to the church. That we would be discerners of the thoughts and the will of God for our own personal life. I pray, Lord, today that you would identify strongholds within ourselves, within our thinking and in our minds, strongholds that have taken a hold, barriers that have kept us from your presence, barriers that have kept us from developing our relationship with you. Help us, Lord, to understand that you can demolish all barriers that keep us from your presence and keep us from the peace that you've designed for us to live in. I thank you for that, Lord. I'd like for you to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed for just a second. Give you a chance this morning. The Bible says we've all sinned. We've all come short of the glory of God. This morning, if you've never accepted Christ as your personal savior, that's the first step in taking your thoughts captive. So this morning, if you've never accepted him, or maybe if you have, and you just haven't been living for him, simply by raising your hand, say, Preacher, I need Jesus in my heart. I need to make him the Lord of my life. Slip your hand up, high. We want to put a Bible in your hand. Anybody. Preacher, that's me. I need Jesus. I need to make him the Lord of my life. Yeah. yeah. Let's raise your hand up high. Anybody? Yeah. I don't want to miss anybody. Slip your hand up high. Preacher, that's me. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me, please? This is a message. This is a message for for the church. We got we 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 are we are in a battle ground. And it starts right here. So I just encourage everybody this morning to take ownership of your thoughts and to take every thought captive. He didn't say take some of them captive. All of them captive. So this morning, I just want to ask you a question. The Holy Spirit has convicted you this morning. How many say, preacher, the Holy Spirit has convicted me this morning of some of the ways I've been thinking and I'm going to fight this battle raise your hand preacher that's me thank you thank you this is, this is this is a good weapon good weapon let's let's pray and if you didn't raise your hand uh we'll pray for you too So, Lord, we raise our hands, Lord, and surrender to you, thanking you, Lord, for all your blessings to us. Help us, Lord, to understand to understand you and understand your word and, and to act and breathe and, and live in that understanding. I thank you, Lord, for every individual, every family here. I pray, oh God, that you would bring victory to our thinking as we choose to fight this battle for our thoughts and that we would uh, bring honor and glory to you with the way we think. We thank you, Lord, for the victory right now. In Jesus' name, we speak peace. We speak joy. We speak long-suffering. We speak gentleness. We speak meekness. We speak temperance to this crowd. And we thank you, Lord, for everybody watching online. Help us, Lord, to follow you closely. In Jesus' name, I pray. And everybody said Amen. God bless y'all. We love you. We got your prayer team up here if you need special prayer. We appreciate it. Thank you.